Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, I'm just going to share a little bit here and then continue tonight. The Lord just told me this is like one, this is really one service is what it is tonight. You know, I hope you can make it tonight. Uh, really, I want to thank everyone that came for prayer this morning. It was powerful. People have been joining and praying with us. And it's, 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 it's like I feel His strength the strength of God when we pray together. There's nothing like corporate prayer. Oh yeah, we can all pray by ourselves, but corporate prayer is powerful. So I just want to say thank you. People have been coming out since last February, Sunday morning and Sunday night before service. We will meet again at 6.30 tonight and pray together. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then we'll, have, we'll just spill right over into the service tonight. Uh, I want to just share with you a little bit about help, God's help. Just say, just say that right now with me. Say help. help. Now, just lift your hands like this. Look toward heaven. Help! Come on. Come on. Help! <laughs> I feel better now. Let's try it again one more time. Help! <laughs> you know, every time I see that, I think of... I think of Poor John Lennon, that was the name of one of his songs. Help, help. I always, he taught, but you know, if you, if you, I went back and read that song not a couple years ago, and it's, and you can see he was crying out for divine help. He just didn't know where to go. And um, so all of us need him, right? We need help. So this is, um, I'm going to talk to you about help. I probably will probably spill over to tonight, but um, Psalm 46.1. This is actually my psalm. It's my psalm. It was written personally for me. <laughs> How do I know that? Because this is the one Jesus quoted when he visited me in my hospital room. And he spoke it over me. <laughs> and uh, how do I know his ways are perfect? Well, he actually knew the translation that my phone was keyed into that morning. And that's the one he spoke out loud to me. <laughs> He could have done it in Hebrew, he could have done it in some paraphrase or some King James, he did it exactly in the NASB 2020, which was the one I was reading that day, that particular day. But he says, um, God is our refuge and our strength, my power. So he's my refuge, he's my God. Not, not, he does, it doesn't say he gives me a refuge. He doesn't say he gives me a hiding place. He is my hiding place. He is. God is my refuge. It doesn't say he gives me strength. He is my strength. That's why Pentecost is so important. Well, you'll be clothed with power. We were clothed with more than just power. We were clothed with a person, the third person of the Trinity. God, the Holy Ghost came in me and came on me. He, he's inside of me. He's my refuge. He's on me. He's my strength. Hallelujah. Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble. I love the various translations of the Bible and the beautiful shades of meaning they bring. In the NASB, NASB 2020, this verse, verse reads, God is our refuge and strength, a very ready help in trouble. Everyone say a ready help. 
Okay, so this tells us that the Lord is constantly ready to defend and help us at every moment. I love that. He's always ready. You can never catch him on break or vacation. He's always ready. He's already in action mode. The moment you lift up your eyes and say, help, he's right there. So yeah, the the New King James says says he's constantly ready to defend us at every moment. I love, I'm sorry, the New King James says that the Lord is a very present help in trouble. That's even better, a very present help in, in trouble. So he's present. Not only does he send help, like I said before, he is my help. What an amazing promise. The Lord not only helps us, it's his very presence that is with us that brings well-timed help in all of our dilemmas. God himself is my help. Now here's, this is the prince of preachers, one of my favorites, Charles Spurgeon, comments on this verse. Um, I guess he didn't know this was my psalm, but he's, he's quoting from it 150 years ago. A very present help in trouble or in distress. He has so been found. He has been tried and proved by his people. He never withdraws himself from his afflicted. He is their help truly, effectually, and constantly. He's present or near them, close at their side, and ready for their succor or their help. And that is emphasized by the word very in our version. He is more present than friend or relative can be. Yea, more nearly present than even the trouble itself can be. He's more present than the stinking thing you're fighting against. The thing you're fighting against is outside of you. He's on you and in you. He's closer than your trouble. (laughs) So, yeah, so... um, to all, this comfortable, to, all, to all this comfortable truth is added the consideration that his assistance comes at the needed time. He's not as the swallows that leave us in the winter. He's a friend in need and a friend indeed. When it's very dark with us, let us brave spirits say, come and let us sing the 46th Psalm. A fortress firm and steadfast rock is God in time of danger. A shield and sword in every shock from foe and well-known are stranger. The presence of the Lord changes every situation we find ourselves in. David said it like this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Hallelujah. He is with me. He is with me. Somebody say it. He is with me. David had faced wild animals, a giant, kings, armies, and even family betrayals and came to this conclusion. God is my very present help in trouble. I've seen... I've also seen the Lord's help in many crazy moments in my life. He's been with me in financial calamities, in family crisis, when facing death, when betrayed by friends, and in so many situations too numerous to to name here, he has been with me every step of every way. How has he helped me in in every time? He comes himself. He comes himself, my very present help, to comfort and strengthen me. Not only is he there beside me in trouble, he sees me through to an incredible place of breakthrough. Hallelujah. 
So I want to just, we're going to ponder this word. It's a four-letter word. It's not one of those bad four-letter words. This is a good four-letter word. H-E-L-P, help. This is a good one. We're going to ponder that word this morning. It's a great prayer. Actually, when you call the word help, you're calling on the Holy Spirit. His name in Greek is helper. Help! You're calling for the Holy Ghost. So therefore, Hebrews 4.16, therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace for help at the time of our needs. So this word, help in our time of need, Robertson says, well-timed help for help in the nick of time before it's too late. Well-timed help. Well-timed help. He's not going to be too late. He's going to be right on time. Trust him, trust him, trust him. Hide yourself in him. Make room for him. Vincent says seasonable help or help in good time before it's too late while there's still time to seek God's rest. And Bailey says the absolute precision of God's help. That's me. The absolute precision of God's help. The absolute precision, well-timed, absolute. He is not off a minute. He's he's more accurate than a well-tuned Swiss watch, exactly, precisely, on time. Well-timed help in your circumstance. He's there. So we're thinking about this word, helped. This is, again, from this verse. This is one of my favorites. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace for help. The the beauty of the Greek language is there's multi-word, many different words that we translate into English as help. One of them is parakletos. One of them is, is boethia, which means to frap a vessel. You've heard me preach about that before. To frap a vessel. It's used in Acts 27 when Paul's boat was being destroyed by the storm on the Mediterranean Sea. It was breaking up. And what did they do? It says they frapped the ship, which means they got the cables, the ropes, whatever they had at their disposal, and they wrapped that ship up and tied it and tied it and tied it and tied it so that it would hold together when the storm was banging away, trying to bust that that ship into pieces. And that's the word. It's only used twice in the New Testament, one in Acts 27 and once right here. Maybe, 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 maybe somebody's here this morning and you're hearing my voice and you're going through a storm that feels like it's going to break your life in pieces. I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's real well-timed help called frapping for you. He will frap you. He will tie you up. How does he do that? It's when you call upon his name and you press in and touch him and he touches you. He starts to wrap you. When you make room for him on the couch and he throws his blanket over you. What's happening, you might think this just feels good, but what's actually happening is he's tying your life up with his ropes. He's holding everything together. He's doing more. He's loving you and kissing you and comforting you, but he's tying you up with his promises. So nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to beat you or destroy you or cause you not to be able to get to your destination because you're yielded to the Lord and his sovereign time clock is tick-tock, 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 and he's always on time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I wrote this one yesterday. 
Again, Hebrews 4.16. Living in constant help in his presence. I can live in constant help. This becomes a lifestyle. You know, if you read this, Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of need. A lot of people take this verse only to apply to their crises in life. But you have to take this verse in context. What's the whole book of Hebrews about? The book of Hebrews is about life behind the veil. It's about the new and living way. The new way to live our lives, which Paul was begging the Hebrew Christians in Jerusalem to come back to what he called the new and living way or our life in the presence of God. Instead of just coming to God when you think you need him, realizing that I always need him. I might not be aware of it. My circumstances might be okay today. I have no idea what's about to hit me in the head tomorrow. I'm always in need of help. Learning this new and living way, life in his presence, is what Hebrews is about. It's what this hell, Bothia, is all about. It's being frapped in his love, tied up in him. Listen to this. This promise is way bigger than most people get at first glance or even with a hard look when bad things come knocking at your door. This is an invitation. We're being invited by God into a place of communion with him. This is not just a special pass to come to him when we need help. This is total access. It is living in his presence that we find real help all of the time. This is what Pentecost was all about. The blood of Jesus gave us access to God. Not only his power and ability to fix things, it's access into the very presence as a new way to live our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As Paul said, the new in living way. Yeah, the new in living way. I love that. The new in living way. The new, I found a new way to live my life. How about you? I found a new way to live my life. It's life on the couch with Jesus. It's life in his presence. It's life with his blanket wrapped around me where I'm like the mantle of Elijah. It's on my shoulders. I'm wrapped in his love and it's working in my life. It's for me. It's in me. It's through me. I'm wrapped up in him. The new and living way, it's living in his presence that we discover how powerful and good he is and how all that he, ha- all that he is is available to us especially when we have trouble in our worlds. And here we go. This is Andrew Murray. He's the best on Hebrews. I'm going to read this little short paragraph. He says, Let us therefore with such an high priest draw near with boldness to the throne of grace. The word draw near is that use of the priest in the Old Testament. It is this one truth the epistle seeks to enforce that we can actually in spiritual reality draw near to God and live in that nearness. Wow! Oh, if you believed it, somebody'd be tearing the, sh- the lights off of that thing up there. Somebody'd be ripping a pew off the floor. If you believed that, if you really believed what I just said. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can draw near to God and live in that nearness. I can live in that nearness, in living fellowship with him all the day. The work of Christ as our high priest is so perfect, and his power in heaven is so divine 
that he need not only gives us the right and liberty to draw near, but by his priestly action, he does in very deed and truth. So take, take possession of our inmost being and inward life. Jesus has taken possession of my innermost being. He's taken possession. I am possessed. I am totally spirit possessed. Possessed by the Holy Spirit. He takes possession of our inmost being and our inward life. And we draw, he brings us near that our life can be lived in God's presence. Did you pay close attention to what Mary said? He said that the Lord takes possession of our inmost being so that our life can be lived in God's presence. This is the most radical thing I know. Christ in my innermost being. And me being swallowed up in God. Jesus said it in John 14. He says, the day coming, I'm going to be in you. He says, I'm in my Father. I'm going to be in you, and you are going to be in me. What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm in my Father. I'm going to be in you, and you are going to be in me. That's what Jesus said. What? What? He he means he's going to come. What he, do, he does, he fills me with his presence. And then he wraps me with this outward anointing where I'm in him. He's in me and I'm in him. He's in me and I'm in him. He's in me, the new birth experience. I'm in him, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He's in me, the new birth experience. I'm in him, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I need both. He's in me and I'm in him. Somebody say it. He's in me and I'm in him. You know, I had, I got, I had people, literally, I literally had somebody call me a Nazi because I said that one day. I was, I had no idea. I was at a service and it was evangelicals and they asked me to preach and I told my story about how the, I got the second blessing and they didn't like the second blessing. They liked the first blessing. They didn't like the second blessing. Literally got up and yelled at me, called me Hitler, and left. A lot of them left the room. (laughs) You're a Nazi. (laughs) It was at Clemson University, a southern college campus, in their Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting. (laughs) There was probably 800 people there. You're a Nazi. (laughs) But this this is my life. I got saved. He came in me. And then... Then, then he came on me. He did both. And as a matter of fact, this morning, he's been coming on me over and over and over again. I'm wrapped in him. He came on me on the couch this morning. He came on me during worship. He came on me when I started praying for people. He came on me when I started preaching. Oh, yeah. He's in me and I'm in him. How about you? So, yeah, our life can be lived in God's presence. This is the most radical thing I know. Christ in my innermost being and me swallowed up in God. I love the sound of that. Swallowed up in God. That's what I want my story to be. Something happened to Frank and he was just swallowed up by the Lord. You know, that's that's what people said in 1994. Something happened to him. He used to have a good ministry, but something happened to him. Yeah, I know what, hap- what happened is I got swallowed. 
Jonah's well swallowed me up. Totally swallowed me up. So yeah, I'm going to finish with this. Oh, this, this is my, the classic text that I always go to. We'll be talking about this in my class tomorrow night. Romans 8, 26. <laughs> now in the same way, Paul says, so he's talking about the groanings and the travailings of creation, anticipating the manifestation of the sons of God. Oh, you know what? Jesus is coming back, and in a twinkling of an eye, you're going to be changed. Oh, this mortal will put off and you'll take on immortality in the twinkling of an eye. The most glorious, magnificent beings beyond our imagination are sitting in these pews today. We're cloaked right now like, like Jesus was cloaked in his humanity. We're cloaked right now, but in a moment of time, we won't be cloaked anymore. And creation is groaning for that moment to come when Jesus comes. And what John said, we'll be like him because we'll see him like he is. That's the blessed hope. It's about to happen. Ah, yeah, if he comes this year, I'm going to put off this 71-year-old body and put on the body of Jesus in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment of time, shining with the glory of God. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. He's groaning on the inside of us. He's helping me. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit helps Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, too deep for natural words. Yeah, there's a groan, and that groan is help. When it comes up, Paul said that, that when we begin to groan and release our prayer language, it's just a, it's a spiritual way of saying help. The word help, this is classic, classic Paul the Apostle. The word, this little five-letter word, helps. He helps us. Soon anti-lambanomai. Soon anti-lambanomai. Everybody repeat it with me. Come on. Soon anti-lambanomai. Soon anti-lambanomai. And it means to somebody's in trouble and you go to help them and you grab a hold of them and you start helping and pulling with them against whatever it is that's trying to mess them up. It's real, practical help. That's what the prayer language is for. It's real, practical help when, they're, when we're down in the mud in that day-to-day, fighting with whatever God knows what that's been come across our path, trying to mess us up, trying to destroy us, trying to mess up our family, mess up our money, mess up our kids, mess up our church, mess up our country. We get right in the middle of it, and yeah, we just smile. We say, this is clockwork. Oh, Paul followed this up. He says, yield and pray like that. Then he followed it up. You know this verse and two verses down. And God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. To those who love God, to those who love him, who are loving him and yielding to him, that are flowing with his his precision time clock. Yielding. I'm yielding to God. 
So let's pray together. Come on, y'all stand with me. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.